The first reading is found in Acts chapter 5. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priests rose up, and all who were with them, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The responsive reading is found in Psalms 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for the name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all depths fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young maidens and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for the name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praised for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will forever be. Amen. The second reading is found in James chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseverance, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Great to be here with you this morning. That video ended a little quicker than I thought, so my pages are still out of order. Uh, (laughs) Give me one second here. Uh, I am Pastor Jason, a pastor of Outreach and Community Engagement here at Cornerstone. Always a joy to, to be with you and, and share with you uh, up here. On the evening of the first day of the week, Jesus came and stood among the disciples. If you've been around the church any time at all, any church most likely, you've heard this before probably many times. I've heard it, I guess, 34 times now. Every first Sunday after Easter, we hear these words, Jesus came and stood among his disciples. But let's see if we can look today at this word, at this, at this happening with fresh eyes. And specifically, let's think together about this question. What does it mean about Jesus that he shows up here? That he shows up at that time in that moment? What does it mean about him? He arrives among the disciples on the evening of the first day of the week. That's Sunday. And, and Here's something that maybe is obvious to you, but let's spell it out. Sunday is the same day that what happened? What did Jesus do on Sunday? He rose. You guys are great. Almost as good as the kids. Sunday is the same day that Jesus rose, sometime around sunrise or or slightly before. Remember, Mary goes to the tomb, Mary and the other Marys, uh, while it's still dark, very early in the morning, and already at that time, Jesus is is out of the tomb. Already he's not there. So sometime very early Sunday morning, uh, Jesus rises out of the grave, and and then um, later in the evening is when uh, is when he meets the disciples. So, so Jesus has been alive, or alive again, roughly maybe 12 hours or so. And he's in this form where he can apparently go pretty much anywhere he wants to go. Anywhere in the world that Jesus wanted to be, he could be there. Now think about this. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Where would you go? I'll tell you probably where you wouldn't go, where you wouldn't pick. You probably would not pick a small room of just a few miles away from the grave you just got out of, a small room where your close followers are huddling and hiding, hoping not to die. That's probably not where you would go if you could go anywhere, but that is where Jesus chooses to be, where his followers are hiding in that small room. That's where Jesus chooses to be because when the sheep are hard-pressed, the good shepherd is never far off. Not far off, despite the best efforts of, well, everybody in the story. You know this part of it too. The only people at this moment who are on Jesus' side are those small handful of women. The Jewish religious leaders, 
influential and powerful. They've arrested him. They've, they've riled up the whole town against him, apparently to the point where everybody who even is associated with him is waiting for, for the mob to show up with their, their torches and their pitchforks. The Roman authorities, brutal and controlling as they are, they've publicly humiliated him, putting, putting that, that mock robe of the king and the, the crown of thorns on his head. They've humiliated him. They've nailed him to a cross to suffocate. They've run him through with a spear. He was shut up in a tomb and that, with a stone that was barely able to be moved and a, and a phalanx of Roman soldiers whose life depends on not letting him get out of there, on keeping it shut. One close follower turned him in. Another close follower re- repeatedly denied even knowing him. A third has, has, has all but uh, can't, closed his mind to the possibility that Jesus might be anywhere but inside that tomb and the rest, while well, the rest are just hiding, hoping not to die. At every stage, at every turn, everyone has done everything they can to stamp this out, to put an end to it, to shut it down. And yet, and yet, mere hours after all this takes place, there's Jesus. He didn't need anyone to roll the stone away like the women were worried about. He didn't ask anyone's permission or wait for an invitation. It didn't require anyone's assent or agreement or understanding. He didn't need the door unlocked or even opened by the look of things. Every authority and every power brings everything they have. And Jesus does what Jesus does. Because Jesus won't be canceled. Jesus won't be canceled. Canceled is the topic for our reflection this morning, and specifically this phrase, cancel culture. You saw the video just now that Pastor Kevin put together about cancel culture. We know what it is. It's a shorthand for something many of us feel happening all around us. Cancel culture is a way of naming the general sense that, uh, that we can't speak freely, that our Christian beliefs, our, our way of life is being marginalized or, or disallowed. It's a means of labeling the ways in which we feel we are surrounded and hard-pressed. Hard-pressed by fights about what sorts of books should be in schools and, and which ones can't go in the schools. And Hard-pressed every time we see another video of someone uh, being removed from social media or losing their job for saying something that maybe in part we might even agree with a little bit. Hard-pressed by family members making you feel backward or old-fashioned for the things that you believe and the growing sense that they, they no longer want to hear what it is you have to say. I know that, that many of you feel it all around you. The sense that the, that the influencers, the authorities are, are pressing in. When you feel that, when you feel that sense that that cancel culture is coming toward you, when you feel that you are surrounded and hard-pressed, remember this. When the sheep are surrounded and hard-pressed, the good shepherd is never far off. Just as Jesus was there in the graveyard early that first Easter morning, right at the scene of destruction and loss, right at the very place where so many tried so hard to silence him, and and just as he was there in that locked room in the midst of fear and confusion and brokenness and outright doubts, in the same way, he will be there for you. Whatever that situation is that you find yourself in, he will be there for you. That's always been true. 
brothers and sisters, as we, as we look back through God's story, that's always been true. At every moment where hostile forces have tried to stamp God's people out and put an end to their story, he has been there in the midst of it. A cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire to lead the Israelite people, his people, through the Red Sea that was to swallow up the greatest army in the world. A vision to Ezekiel of a a mini-wheeled chariot going with them even as they faced slavery in a foreign land. By signs and symbols, the Lord God has always revealed himself in the presence of his people. In the face of hostility and obstruction and obstacles. And he keeps right on doing it to this very day. All these many Sundays later, as his followers gather, he shows himself here in the word of forgiveness spoken over you and in the water of baptism that brings about new life that you carry with you. He shows himself there. And every time, every time that we gather here at the Lord's table to receive in our hands, to receive in our mouths, his body, his blood, that that visible reminder of his forgiveness for you, the promise reaffirmed each time that you approach this altar. The same Jesus who walked into a closed room when he was supposed to be shut up in a grave shows up for you here. He shows up for you here and he shows up for you where you find yourself as you leave this place. And here's what's also true. He is no more troubled by school board meetings than he was by that sealed tomb. He is no more set back by Twitter warriors than he was by that locked door. Whatever form the hostility takes, every time the mob shows up, Jesus is there for you and with you in all of it without waiting for anyone's permission or agreement or invitation. His message will not be silenced. His plan will not be altered. His kingdom will not be diverted. Jesus will not be canceled. And you walk with him. You walk with him in any hostile or marginalizing or or cancel type situation. Any situation that you might find yourself in, the one who has conquered death stands in the midst of it with you. And he has guaranteed you a place in his family that cannot be taken away. Even death has lost its sting and the grave its victory over you. That's why Jesus can drop in the middle of the scene of absolute chaos and say, peace be to you. Peace be with you. Because there's nothing left but peace. When Jesus is there in the midst of that with you, there is nothing left but peace. Nothing that can overwhelm the promise that he makes for you. Peace is what he says to the ten disciples who are gathered. But here's the, here's the really interesting thing. He says it seven days later when Thomas is there. By the way, our reading says eight days later. Uh, John uses a, a Roman style of counting that's called inclusive counting. What it means is uh, when counting days later, you include the, the starting day as number one. So we would count, start counting days later with the next day, right? They start with the current day. That's how they arrive at eight. It's, it's the following Sunday. We would call it seven days later. The following Sunday, the next Sunday, Thomas is there and he says the same thing to him. 
peace be with you. To Thomas, to Thomas who has openly doubted, one of his closest followers who has effectively canceled him, all but closed his mind to this possibility, who has imposed what are clearly intended to be extremely high, almost uh, too high standards for belief. I want to shove my hand in the bloody wound. That's the only way I believe, Thomas says. Jesus comes and says to that person with that crazy idea, peace. Here's where it gets really interesting because what he says next shows what's possible when we walk with the one who will not be canceled. Shows how you and I can live and interact with the doubters and the detractors and the cancel types among us, whether they be on social media or even at the family dinner table, how we can interact with them. Jesus is, as usual, completely unperturbed by this outlandish request, requirement even. He simply says, to one of his closest followers, to the last person in the world who ought to be doubting like this, he simply says, do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. If you need to touch the nail holes, touch them. If putting your hand in the wound is what it will take, then do it. And this is the mindset. This is the posture that's possible for Jesus because he will not be canceled and you walk with him. When you walk with the one who cannot be canceled, cancel culture cannot harm you. Can it put you in some awkward situations sometimes and make your life difficult, maybe even mess it up quite a bit? Yeah, it might. But what is true of you is true because Jesus made it so without waiting for permission or invitation or the involvement of anyone else. What is true of you is true because Jesus made it so, and that will not be taken away from you. So this same posture then is possible for you too. You too can stand at peace in the midst even of pushback and arguments, humiliation and losses, even official actions if it comes to that. You too can receive objections and counter-assertions and doubts, even, even outlandish ones like Thomas puts forward. You can receive all of that just as Jesus does with the same calm, open, even welcoming posture that we see Jesus demonstrating when he says, explore as you need to, do as you need to do. That probably won't sound like put your, put your hands in my nail holes, but maybe it sounds like Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? See, when we have this posture, when we walk with Jesus, we can explore these doubts, these questions with those around us without fear, without concern. We can do it secure, secure in the confidence that the good shepherd is not far off, but in fact is there in the midst of it with you and that he will not be canceled. He's guaranteed your future so that none of it can harm you. In Jesus' name, amen.